All right, this morning, we're going to continue on in our study of 1 Peter. And it's so amazing that God's timing is really perfect. Do you know how perfect God's timing is? That we're going to talk today about exactly what the election was about. A platform. A foundation. And so today we're going to continue to talk about the perfect foundation that we have in Christ Jesus. And um, it is so important that, especially coming off an, an historic week, in our political world as this is, that it's significant to know that we are not just basing our vote on the personality of a person. Hopefully you placed your vote on the foundation of the platform of the party that lined up the best with God's word. No party is perfect, we recognize that. But at least we did this, and this is a perfect time now for us to talk about the importance of having a solid platform, a solid foundation in our Christian life that we're talking about. So today we're going to talk about Christ being the rock or the cornerstone of our, of our salvation and of our belief system. If you'd open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, starting at verse, verse 6, it says, For in Scripture it says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now, this may seem a little bit confusing, and we're going to work through this today. But the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, regardless if people rejected it or not, it's still the cornerstone. Just because people have rejected Christ has not removed him from the cornerstone of our foundation. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being living stones and what it means to be a living stone as a true follower of Christ. Today I want to talk more about what, if, what our focus is on basing our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the precious cornerstone, so that we can be living stones, that we can be, have, a, have an understanding of what it really is like to be a part of Christ as a foundation. I want to make three points today that, um, as we start talking about Jesus being the cornerstone. First of all, that uh, God's absolute morals never change. They never change. Number two, we're going to talk about God is our only source for absolute morals and values. And he is our true security. No matter what's going on around us, he is our security as we trust in him alone. And then number three, God's looking for a people that are willing to accept this, willing to accept his standards, his unchanging standards, willing to live by them. This is where we really get our identity. As people that believe in Christ, we, this is where we really get our identity in Jesus. Let's look at verse 6. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to trust in something that I can really believe in. I don't want to trust in something that later on I'm going to have to eat crow. I don't want to trust in something today that's going to let me down later on. Do you? 
Is there anyone here this morning that wants to live your life with the question mark, is it going to last? Is there any here that would raise your hand and say, that's the kind of life I want? No. We want to be assured, if I'm going to believe in something, I want it to be the real deal. Amen? It's interesting to note that Peter wasn't making this stuff up on his own. Even though these men were inspired by God to write Scripture, and this was all inspired by God, that they, Peter, understood the historical significance of prophecy. This statement right here was made hundreds of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28. Hundreds of years prior to Peter saying what he said here, Isaiah the prophet said the same thing. And Peter is relaying that to us and to his readers at the time. Isaiah says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone. And this is interesting because this is prophetic. It hasn't been tested yet. But Isaiah is saying it's already tested. A precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. The prophet Isaiah is talking of Jesus and his righteousness and his holy standards to be unmoving, unchanging, undeniable, tested in all ways and in all things, totally proficient for all things. This is the cornerstone of a sure foundation for all humanity to base their life on that will never disappoint them in any way. Amen. You can say amen. You can agree with this. This is good stuff because this is the foundation that I'm building my life on. And I think you are too. This is something that we can be sure of. Now, to better understand what this is, we need to understand what a cornerstone is. Do we know what a cornerstone is? (laughs) A cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. Important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. So the cornerstone is the first stone put in place, and then everything after that is measured off that stone. Perfectly straight, perfectly level, perfectly 90 degrees, no angles. It is, it is a perfect set, and it is put in, as the first foundational stone in and that is the thing that measures the whole building from thereafter well this cornerstone is also the reference point for jesus christ in your life and in my life as a christian person a cornerstone set in a building is unmovable unchangeable once it's set in place it's never changed The cornerstone does not move if it moved you would have a problem because the whole building now would be in question The cornerstone is totally unchangeable. That's the only way it can be considered the reference point for the rest of the structure is that it must be set in place and its position must never change because if it changes, you have a problem. Thus, the perfect reference point for all, from all angles and from all perspectives. No matter where you look, that reference point is set and it's not changing. This is so much what Jesus is, as the unchangeable and unalterable word of God, because he is the living word. As much as men 
have tried and continue to try to modify and change the Word of God, meaning that they change the moral standards that we're living by now as a society because we've progressed from the age-old living strategies of so many hundreds of years ago. We've, we've, we've progressed in our knowledge, in our technology. No matter how much they try to sta- change the standards, a true follower of Christ cannot change God's standards. No matter what we do, the cornerstone of Jesus has been set. And it is unchangeable and unalterable no matter how many people try to change it. It can't be changed. Amen. Jesus is the living word. And he is established by God to be that established set of absolute morals and absolute ethics that never change. And thus they can become the reference point for a godly society. He can be the reference point for a godly lifestyle. He can be the, lef- the reference point for a godly home, a godly family, a godly marriage, a godly business. You don't have to change your business practices as a Christian to have a su- successful business. In fact, if you try doing that, you're probably going to struggle and alter in your business because you're going to be changing something that's un- unchangeable when it comes to morals and ethics. Amen? Paul was encouraging his son, his spiritual son, Timothy, to hold on to the teachings that he had in his early youth. Timothy, check, 2 Timothy chapter 3. See, if something is unchangeable, then you can go back to it at any, of, any point in time in your life and go back to that, what you were taught earlier. And if you have questions come, you can go back to what you were taught and be encouraged by it. And that's exactly what... Paul is doing to Timothy here in this passage. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, you trust those that taught you, Timothy. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. They never, the unchanging Holy Scriptures don't change with age, which are able to make you wise for salvation through your faith in Jesus Christ. The beautiful part about this is that we're not chasing a moving target. As Christians in a society today, the society may be moving, it may be going all different types of directions, but our foundational stone in Jesus Christ does not change. Therefore, I'm not chasing a moving target. Anybody been skeet skeet shooting? Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it, to shoot a moving target? It's fun when it doesn't make any difference (laughs) if you hit it or not. But you know what? We have to base our life on something more secure than hitting a moving target. Amen? I I don't want that. I want my target solid, and I want it firm. So the most important point to be made when it comes to God's absolute morals and, and that never change is this, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people are doing something. If what they're doing doesn't measure up with God's standard of morality, they, they aren't moral people. You can have, if you have a million people, you could have 999,999 people doing something, and if it's not right, it's still not right. It's still not right. If everybody besides one is doing it, it's still not right if it doesn't line up with God's word. God does not take a vote. He's not voting here to say, is it okay with you guys if this is, if this is, no, he doesn't, he doesn't vote. And we say that we have our civil liberties. We have our civil rights to believe what you want. Yes, you do have your civil rights. You can believe whatever you want. 
But just because everyone has the right to do something, it doesn't make what they're doing right if it doesn't measure up to God's Word. Amen? So you can believe whatever you want to believe, but just because you believe it, it doesn't mean it's right. Even though that's your right to believe it, it doesn't mean it's right. So you have to understand that, and that's why we need to have the sure foundation. Now, number two, the, point, the second point is, who is our source for the sure foundation? Point number two is that God is our only source for absolute morals and standards. God is the only source for absolute morals and standards and to have true security. There cannot be two cornerstones on the same building. If you have two cornerstones on the same building, then you really don't know which one's right. It's like the old saying, a man with two watches never really knows what time it is. Because you don't know which one's really right. And so we have to know that there is only one source for our absolute set of morals and standards that we're going to be judged by. Thank God for that. I, I really thank the Lord that he's been so, so strict with this. This is not narrow-minded, and this is not bigoted, and this is not anything to make to constrain us. This gives us freedom to know that we have one source of morality to go to, and that's Jesus Christ, and it's God's Word. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. We already read that. The prophet speaks God's words to the rulers of Jerusalem at the time. The reason that, that, that Isaiah was, re, was writing this, because these rulers at the time were boasting in their ability, the, the Jewish leaders were boasting in their ability to be immune from their own set of law, laws. They were living above the laws they put on everybody else. They said that in their own security, they could do what they did, but yet the other people had to follow the law. Does it sound familiar at all to maybe the way we justify things in our life today? God said their security was false because their security was not based on the solid foundation or the true cornerstone of Jesus Christ. They had a different source. Likewise, any other source of morality today that isn't based on Jesus Christ is false. Can you just recognize that? If anything you hear today in our society talks about all the rights we have to live the way you want to live, to do what you want to do with your body, or do what you want to do with the living being in your body, if it doesn't line up with God's word, understand that it is a false sense of security and it is a false cornerstone and it is not going, taking you in the right direction. We're going to be judged by the only source of morality and that's Jesus Christ. So therefore, let us follow that. Let's be wise. Not in our own eyes or in our own self-righteousness, but let's be wise in establishing our living, our our obedience to Christ and the things that we're going to be judged by later. And it's unmoving and it's unalterable and it's, we're given clear instruction in God's word, so let's just read God's word and do it. And let's not, write a, let's not try to change it. And I think this is very important today because coming off of this election, and, um, you know, we, are, we have a glimmer of hope now. And I, I, I'm not bashing anybody when I say this, and I'm not bashing the, the, the Democratic Party. Just clear me. I'm not going there. But I am saying that, that when you look at the platforms that they were basing the, them on, and, and basically the, the, two ones, the two that we talked about last week were abortion and same-sex marriages, those are both clearly contrary to God's Word. 
this was not the Democratic Party that was 30, 40 years ago. Because at that point, it was, there were some things that we could agree to disagree on, and probably they were both good parties. But today, when, they make, it, when they, they make their platform to be based on those sets of immorality that don't line up with God's word, we have to recognize that there's a glimmer of hope now and that the party that is in charge or in control or will be in control will do the right things now and reverse what can be reversed. So here's a danger that we have, is that we can fall into the trap, if we're not careful, that, that we can make that party or the personalities of that party our source of morality, right? We can, we can now take our eyes off Christ because we think we're going in the right direction and we can, we can we put our, all our hope in the Republican Party as to give us our source of morality or our source of security. Well, let me just say that that is a false sense of security as well. So let's not, let's not forget how important it is to keep praying for our leaders to keep praying for that they would have godly wisdom. Thank the Lord that he's given us a victory. Thank the Lord that he's given us a glimmer of hope, but the work is not finished. In fact, it's just starting. They need you now more than ever to pray, to fall on your face before God every day and pray for our leaders, pray for our president, pray for the Supreme Court justices that they're going to nominate, pray that they would, give, they would have the, the godly um, courage to make a stand and reverse what has been taken uh, away from us, the Roe versus Wade and, and the um, same-sex marriages and relationships that, that we need, if we're going to turn, if we're going to repent, we have to, tur- we have to really repent. And that means we need to turn the other direction. We just don't say we're sorry, then keep walking in it. No, we need to say we're sorry, repent, and go the other direction. There's work to be done, all right? So let's not um, get too confident now in our ability to put our, our, our strength or our security in the party we, just, we still need to know that God is the only source. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse, you're talking about serving two masters, like having two cornerstones. Luke chapter 16, verse 12. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Now you may look at this passage and you say, well, Mike, he's talking about money here and and other areas of security, but I would say that money is indicative of all areas of security in this world. Really, money is the thing that gives us our security. It says what, what mankind values as right is often detestable in the eyes of God. Verse 15, justify yourselves. You're justifying yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. God knows what your hearts are, people. What people value highly is detestable. Why is this so? Because man's ways, the, the heart of a man is deceitfully wicked. Until you have that conversion experience where Jesus Christ becomes on the center point of your life, where he, you truly give your life over to Christ, you cannot trust your heart. Cannot trust your heart. In fact, it's hard to trust it even when you're saved. You have to make sure you keep basing it on the, word, on, on the morality of God's word. You must stay in God's word because it's in the nature of mankind to try to find a better way or an easier way than doing what God has clearly told us to do. 
It's just indicative for us that we think we can somehow follow our own path. Somehow we can figure it out on our own a little bit better than what God has told us what to do. You know what that's called? Pride and rebellion. Let's just call it for what it is. God, I'm, I, I know more than what you know about my life. Therefore, I can run it by fine. I, I'm fine, thank you. I'm saved. Now, I don't need any more. I can, I'm, I'm good with this. That's just exactly what Satan wants us to think. It's exactly where he wants us to go. He doesn't care if you get saved because as long as he can get you twisted a little bit, he'll get you unsaved. <laughs> you may not think that, but if you're, light, if you're not lining up on God's word, if you're not solid on his foundation... If Jesus doesn't remain the cornerstone of your life, if you twisted it somehow, then you're not on the right path anymore. The prophet Isaiah was confronting his own nation in regards to the rebellion and sin toward God and the consequences they would face. If you continue to read that. In fact, I want to take six woes that, that Isaiah talks about. Go back in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. There are six woes of judgment that Isaiah talks about, beginning at verse 8. First of all, selfish greed. Selfish greed. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 8. You buy up property so others have no place to live. Your homes are built on great estates so you can be alone in the midst of the earth. Basically, get your little slice of heaven. Don't worry about anybody else. It's called selfish greed. Number two, drunken behavior and all kinds of worldly pleasures. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. Woe to you who get up early in the morning to go on long drinking bouts that last till late at night. Woe to you drunken bums. You furnish lovely music at your grand parties. The orchestras are superb, but for the Lord, you have no thought or care. Do we see that prevalent today? Yeah, it's everywhere. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Deceit and mockery of God's power and his intention to judge sin. Woe, another woe from Isaiah. Woe to those who drag their sins behind them like a bullock or like a bull on a rope. They even mock the Holy One of Israel and dare the Lord to punish them. Hurry up and punish us, O Lord, they say. We want to see what you can do. Woe to people that are running ahead of God's judgment. Woe to people that are so secure in their own self-righteousness. Number four, the fourth woe, twisting and mis misrepresenting God's moral standards. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. They say that what is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. That black is white and white is black. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Man, come on. Isn't that just all over our world today? Isn't it just so obvious today the way that people are saying the right is wrong and wrong is right? And then for those that are talking about living right, they're making you look like a narrow-minded little bigot, that you're just self-righteous and you, you, you don't, you're not progressing in anything, that you're old-fashioned. No, what we're doing is that we're basing, our, we're basing our life on the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ that never changes. That's what we're doing. Number The fifth woe. Isaiah 5, 21, for who, woe to those who are wise and shrewd in their own eyes. Boastfulness and pride. Boastfulness and pride. And then number six, Isaiah 5, 22 and 23, woe to those who are heroes when it comes to drinking and boast about, about the liquor they can hold. They take bribes to pervert justice, letting the wicked go free and putting innocent men in jail. We have a, we've had a president just recently that has 
um, signed many pardons for hardened criminals. Men that, that are in life sentences and he's pardoned. I heard 700. A lot. Come on, we're perverting justice. We're putting, innocent, we're, we're putting innocent men in jail and letting those guilty free. Not right. What is the result of these six woes? Isaiah chapter 5, he gives us the result. Therefore, God will deal with them and burn them. They will disappear like straw on fire. Their roots will rot and their flowers will wither, for they have thrown away the laws of God and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the anger of the Lord is hot against his people. That is why he has reached out his hand to smash them. The hills will tremble and the rotting bodies of his people will be thrown as refuse in the street. But even so... His anger is not ended. His, he his hand is heavy on them still. Now, I know that this sounds pretty judgmental, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm not trying to preach judgment here, but I'm just trying to declare God's word as what God's word says. So let's summarize the first two points. Number one, God's absolute morals never change. Number two, God is our only source for absolute morality and true security. No matter what's going on around us, he is the only source. And for those that purposefully disregard the fact that God's morals and standards are absolute and never change and that God is the only source of morality by coming up with their own sources, then Peter, 1 Peter, chapter, back to our text, it says, uh, beginning at verse 7, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has still become the cornerstone. <laughs> he's not changing. I don't care if you don't believe it or not, he's still the cornerstone and Number two, the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. The final result and destination for those people that reject God's word, they will stumble over an unmovable stone. No matter how hard you kick it, no matter how hard you push it, God's word is not moving. The stone is not going to move. Therefore, you will end up tripping over it and it will end up crushing you because you tried to kick over the immovable stone. Now, that's God's word. We love people in the process of this, right? This is not giving us an opportunity or a reason to go out and bang people. We talked about this in Sunday school class today. It was a good, a good lesson today. We talked about how we still love people, even though God's unmovable foundational stone will trip anyone that chooses not to obey it, we still love people. We still pray for people. Now, point three. Finally, our last point. God is looking for a people that are willing to accept his standards and live up to them the best they can, not on their own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Recognize that we cannot live up to God's standards on our own. There's nothing I can do that I can be a pleasing to the Lord on my own. What I do is I choose to allow the Holy Spirit to come in to strengthen me. But it is my choice to invite the Holy Spirit in. So I have to invite the Holy Spirit to come in, and he's the one that gives me the ability to do this. It says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's what I want to be. I want to be one of those people that really believes in the stone of Jesus Christ, that I can have the security that will give me an eternal destiny of heaven and, and, and peace and joy and will never be let down. So can I ask you this morning, what are you chasing after? 
Where, where, where are you placing your security? Where are, your, where are you placing your foundation? Is it anything to do with the world? See, this is a message of hope. This is a message of true good news of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Psalms chapter 118. Psalms chapter 118, verses 22 and 24. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice and be glad in what God has given us. God has given us a clear direction. We can rejoice with the psalmist knowing that without question our future is secure in Christ Jesus. Number one, our future is secure as we know that we are living up to his righteousness and his holiness with him as the only cornerstone in our life. That I don't have to measure my life by anybody's thinking. I don't have to measure it by the political party that I believe in. I don't, have, I don't even have to measure it by my church because churches can be wrong. But God's word is never wrong. Amen? That's why I encourage you to read your own Bible. Don't just trust me as a pastor. Just don't trust Janine as, your te- by, as, as a, cl- a Bible teacher. Don't just trust what we say. Go in and read it for yourself. Go in and let the Holy Spirit give you discernment. Let Give you revelation knowledge. Because until it becomes revelation knowledge to you, it's just words on paper. Right? It needs to get into your heart. It needs to get into your life so that it can do, it can do the work that it needs to do. Jackie, if you'd come, this message is preparing us for next week's message, talking about being a, a holy and a peculiar priesthood. But I want to just end today talking about the choices that God gives us. If we choose God, and if we choose his holy standards of justice and his security, then rest assured, you can rest assured that God will protect you, and he will guard you, and he will put a hedge about you for all eternity so that you really can rejoice with the psalmist and say, the Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a, ma- this is a message of putting our hope truly in the only foundation that can give us this, and that's Jesus Christ. Don't trust in the world system. Don't trust in whatever's going on around us. Remember that our choices are all about living for Christ and putting our hope in Him. Isaiah chapter 28. The Living Bible says this. It gives us, this is a reality check for all of us this morning. Isaiah 28, verses 16 and 17. But the Lord God says... See, I am placing a foundation stone in Zion, a firm, tested, precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. He who believes need never run away from it. You never need to run away from this. He says, and I will take the line and the plummet of justice to check the foundation while you built. It looks so fine, but yet it can be so weak. It is so weak, a, a storm of hail will knock it down. The enemy will come like a flood and sweep it away and you will be drowned. This is what Greg was talking about when he first said it the plumb line that is set by God's standard system and by his morality system must be followed throughout the whole building of the, of the building. Our, your whole life must be built on this. God will take his measuring stick. God will take his, his justice system and he will measure our life about, with that. 
And here's the thing that we don't need to fear. You do not need to fear this if the foundation of your life is plumb. If it's lined up with Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, then understand that you're secure. Your hope is secure. So this morning, as we end this message, I would just ask you all, I would encourage us all to take a very serious look at our foundation. What are you basing your life on today? Do you truly believe what you read in Scripture? I'm assuming you're reading your Bible. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? I, I'm, and then do you, do you really act on it? Are we truly acting on it? Or are, are we in any way twisting Scripture to saying something that it's not in order so that I can live by it? You see, it might seem easy to do that today. But can I just tell you that that's not lining up with the, with the cornerstone of Jesus Christ? You must live according to his strategies and only his strategy. So I'm trusting the Holy Spirit this morning to be your helper, to be my helper, realizing that I cannot do this on my own. So this morning, let's just close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name, and I'm, and I'm asking you, Jesus, first of all, I'm giving you the authority to bring out your plumb line right now and to plumb me up. Am I truly measuring up to your standards of morality and ethics? ethics? Lord, and if I'm not, you're not there to judge me. You're not there to... to judge me before the point of time what you're doing there is you're giving me an opportunity to repent and you're giving me an opportunity to change my life appropriately so father i pray that i would take this message seriously and i would apply it that i would look to you as my only source and with that comes security it comes peace it comes eternal life this morning i just would ask you to really take this to heart and uh, do what you can do. Change what you need to change. Live where you need to live. Don't play the games that the world would be playing. Don't, don't go on the majority rule because the majority rule is not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to lead you down the right path. We have, one fo- we have one solid rock, the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie and the team are playing about the solid rock. And this morning, I just would encourage you to Exercise this in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other shall come
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to really take this message, the song that we just sang, help us to really put it to to test in our own life today. Lord, that we would trust you and you alone so that you would be that precious cornerstone in our life, that we would not be part of those that reject it, but we would truly be those that would receive it and that you will then protect us and that we can know that we're secure in your heartfelt goodness and mercy and grace forever and ever and ever. We thank you, Jesus. Now go with us today as we go to our homes. Prepare us, Father, as we talk to people today. As we go into our worlds, help us to be that light and that love to a dark world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today as you go.